You're listening to Talking Taiwan with your host, Felicia Lin. Hi, welcome to the Talking Taiwan podcast. I'm Felicia Lin, and today we're talking about the Taiwan CMJ Music Showcase. I'm here with Eric DeFontenay. Welcome, Eric. Hey, welcome. Thank you very much for having me on Talking Taiwan. It's really a pleasure. Yeah, um, my pleasure. Uh, the, so the Taiwan CMJ Music Showcase, I understand, is part of the larger CMJ Music Marathon. And, you know, me just being curious, what does the CMJ stand for? I had to do a little bit of searching around, and then I found out that it stands for the College Music Journal. Yes. And then I, and then I discovered that um, the CMJ Music Marathon has been around for something like 33 years. That's incredible. It's one. It's I think New York's longest running and one of its biggest music conference and festivals. Right. It actually started a, a CMJ. Actually, is the Billboard of college radio. So they do the charts for college radio. Okay. Primary function, and right. the conference came out of that to bring radio programmers together to find out about new music. And since then, it's become gone beyond the college market and become more. Of, a general music uh, music conference. Oh and yeah, absolutely. I mean, they have some pretty big names that have been at the music marathon. I see through the years, um, and so this is the third year for the Taiwan CMJ Music Showcase. And um, so, have are you the one that's been behind that for the last three years? Uh, we started off as a primary media partner. Uh -huh. 2010, and mm -hmm. since then our involvement has grown. And this year we're organizing all the events and, and logistics, if you want, um, for Taiwan at CNJ. Um, so could you tell me about what are some of the events and things you have lined up for the um, Taiwan CMJ Music Showcase this year? Sure. Um, this year we're kicking off Taiwan at CMJ, Taiwan Music at CMJ, with a press conference at the TECO, Taiwan Economic Culture Offices, on 42nd Street, mm -hmm. and that's going to be on the 15th, uh, to introduce the artists as well as GCA Entertainment, which is the Taiwan-based company that is we're working with in organizing uh, Taiwan at CMJ. And uh, that's going to be on the 15th. And on the 16th, we're actually going to be having a panel uh, at CMJ. CMJ, as I was explaining, is also a conference in addition to a festival. Mm -hmm. So the panel is going to be about Taiwan and specifically about how we can do collaborations between Taiwanese music creators, companies, and U.S.-based creators and companies. Uh, so that's a big topic for us, and it's uh, one of the ways that we feel, and GCA feels, is important to break Taiwanese acts um, in the U.S. and in the West, because it's not just the U.S. Um, we also do the MIDEM uh, concerts and uh, Taiwan Music at MIDEM, which is the largest music conference in the world that happens in France, in Cannes, oh, wow. France, mm -hmm. uh, every year. Uh, then following that, we're going to be having a private networking event, uh -huh. uh, basically uh, introducing the Taiwan, all the artists and the Taiwan delegation to music industry professionals attending CMJ, and of course, local uh, music professionals. Again, in the whole spirit of trying to get develop relationship and trying to get c real collaborations going. Uh, and then finally, of course, the big night on October 18th is the CMJ Showcase, which is at Webster Hall. Um, this is a big change. Uh, like one thing that 
you can see from CMJ over time is okay. that, well, one thing is really appreciative to the whole Taiwanese community in New York for supporting. Yeah. Uh, it is all, it is, the first year I think the, the room was three quarters full. Uh-huh. And since then, it has been literally mobbed uh, um, over capacity. Mm -hmm. um, so this year, it's at Webster Hall, yeah, uh, one of the venerable clubs of New York in the Marlin Room. Oh, wow. And we have three incredible artists that we're bringing this year, including mm -hmm. Joanna Wong, yeah. uh, Miss Ko, who actually started here in New York, right, and DJ Noodles. Great. Wow. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm... I am actually constantly surprised by the Taiwanese American community here in New York. Um, it's so vibrant and so active. I mean, just in the last couple of weeks alone, I feel like it's almost a full di full time job for me, covering <laughs> all the um, things going on for this podcast. Um, but anyhow, could you tell me a little bit about the artists being represented? You did briefly mention them. I mean, like talk a little bit about who they are, um, how they're selected, and then and then we'll also play a few clips for the audience. Okay. Uh, well, the uh, first artist I'll mention is uh, Joanna Wong. Uh, she's actually won a Golden Melody Award. Right. Singer-songwriter, but also a composer and music producer. Uh, she grew up in Southern California, actually. Oh, okay. And this is something that's really interesting about this year's showcase artists is that two of them have actually grown up in the U.S., one on the West Coast and one on the East Coast. Yeah, I noticed that, yeah. And so they bring this, I, I think it's really good because they're, for example, for any interviews, they're very comfortable in English. Yeah. But they certainly, I think, in their music kind of incorporate this dual cultural experience, and I think that certainly makes them more accessible to a broader audience. Um, yeah, even their lyrics, because I did have a chance to listen to some of the clips, even their lyrics are in both Mandarin and English sometimes, right? Yes, yes. <clears throat> and I think Joanna Wong's really interesting because, um, you know, in, in, in her latest album, she really struck out with her own sound. Mm -hmm. and, and it's really, you see her developing her own style, very unique and etc. And uh, I, I think it, she's obviously very popular in New York. Mm -hmm. uh, Everybody seems to know her that I'm speaking to. Right, right. <laughs> so, oh, no. uh, very. The other. Um, so we also have Miss Co. And Miss Co. is the other one who was raised in the U.S. She was raised in Brooklyn, actually. Went to high school. Yeah, in Brooklyn, I saw that. And studied at Five Towns College. Uh -huh. uh, um, so, good old New Yorker. Uh -huh. uh, she is the first female rapper to win a Golden Melody Award. So I think that's really. Yeah, that's exciting. Uh, I actually saw her last show in New York before she returned to Taiwan in 2011 at oh. the Lib. So that's, that that's how you discovered her? Uh, that's the first time I had actually discovered her was when she was leaving. Yeah. Uh, um, I was very much going to a lot of Taiwanese events and there was an event uh, yeah. at the living room and she was performing before she left where she would actually break out uh, when she got to Taiwan. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people kind of compare her to the Missy Elliott of Taiwan, which I think is a very, certainly a very interesting uh, comparison and certainly a, a nice one. Um, yeah, I can Missy certainly... Missy Elliott is so diverse. Yeah, I, I can certainly see that, I, and we're going to hear, hear a little bit about that, a little bit of that when we play her clip. Sure. Now, finally, there's DJ Noodles. 
and she is quite notable. Um, she was a 2006 DMC Taiwan champion. She wow. is the first female finalist to participate in the DMC history, and that year she was ranked the top 13th DJ in the world finals. So that's one thing in that she has quite a record of achievement. Um, and she's performed, I mean, with some of the biggest people, everything from DJ Jazzy Jeff, DJ Premier, to mention some New York names, mm -hmm. but also people in the electronic field, Stevie Aoki, Diplo. Mm -hmm. She is also the first Asian DJ to be a resident on Radio FG USA, which is a division of Radio FG, oh. based in France, and it's one of the largest radio networks in all of Europe. And so she's a resident DJ with countless wow. like Armin Van Buren and Tiesto and et cetera on this radio station here in New York. So uh -huh. if people have the chance to tune in to Radio FG USA, find DJ Noodles, listen to her, definitely recommend it. And what I like uh, with DJ Noodles, um, as I mentioned before, collaboration is an important aspect for us. Right. Um, and we've brought a lot of partners on board this year with CMJ, and one of them is Hip Hop USA. Uh, one of the reasons why we brought on Hip Hop USA was, of course, because of Miss Co. Right. But one of the other reasons was also because of DJ Noodles. Mm -hmm. uh, as I said, she's worked with both in the electronic, but also in the urban hip hop. Right. And she's actually an excellent scratch DJ. Um, and so we, we saw this as an opportunity to try to do a collaboration between DJ Noodles and someone from the hip-hop community here in New York. Mm -hmm. And finally, uh, uh, Rabbi Darkside, who is a rapper MC, right, who is right. actually charting on CMJ at the uh -huh. moment, at the hip-hop charts, <clears throat> etc., will be performing with DJ Noodles at the uh, showcase on oh, the 18th. Fun. Yeah. So, that's going to be really interesting to see Taiwan and Brooklyn coming together, yeah. forming. So that's kind of unique, and I, I hope people really appreciate to see that. And we're hoping that that's going to lead to more things for more opportunities for Taiwanese artists. Yeah. So, how do you select what artists um, to have in the music showcase? So this is primarily, uh, first of all, this whole Taiwan music at CMJ is a, uh, a project that's given by the Ministry of Culture. Uh-huh. Okay, so it's funded by the Ministry of Culture with all the support and et cetera, and the support from the TECO office here in New York. So there's obviously certain rules as to all aspects of the project, including the selection. I see. So GCA, of course, has to abide by those rules with the selection, and the artists have to be approved by the Ministry of Culture right. in the end. Okay. Um, outside of that, as you could probably tell from the list of artists this year, um, there's a whole discussion, and I was part of that discussion, of trying to see which artists that are available really are going to work best for this market, which is New York City. Oh, and so obviously with Miss Co. Right. Uh, first, uh, this is the home of hip-hop, mm -hmm. uh, so I'm the first female rapper to win the equivalent of a Grammy Award. In, in yeah, makes sense. Taiwan makes mm -hmm. sense. DJ Noodles, of course, again, uh, having her radio. And the music that they do is, of course, music that is primed for crossover. Right. Uh, hip-hop is played everywhere in the world, mm -hmm. hip-hop. No, there's an electronic music 
is certainly one of the most international. And Joanna Wong, I think it was really to have the showcase of an artist that is really rising very quickly, and we know that she has quite a fan base here. So it's also trying to satisfy, seeing how we can satisfy um, the needs and, and the wants of the fans right here uh, to bring a big name artist that they have a very good acquaintance with. Right. And so that would be Joanna Wong, of right, course. Right, right. Wow, okay. Um, okay, so I think probably by now the listeners are quite curious if they haven't already heard um, these, these uh, artists. So maybe we should pay, play a clip um, of Joanna first. Okay. And we're going to play Coins. This is all I have, but then I have it all Just listening to a clip by uh, Joanna Wong, right? It's Joanna Wong, right? Yes. Um, called Coins. So, Eric, how would you describe our sound? Well, I mean, first thing, it's really interesting because uh, <clears throat> because her first uh, release was really in the vein of jazz. Okay. Um, and she really decided to change direction she felt that that didn't really fit who she was and she changed direction with this album coins is a really good example um, and as you can tell I mean to some extent I find that she incorporates really what I find a lot in, in, in Taiwan kind of indie pop 
singer-songwriter style. Uh-huh. There's, there's a very upbeatness and happiness to it. There's, and you see from Taiwan, there, I always say all Taiwanese music incorporates a little pop into it. <laughs> because Taiwan is such a dominant force in the Mandarin pop scene, this is totally natural to be expected. But what I really like, it, it's, a mu- it's a song that's really accessible to me because a lot of the melody and the com- composition beyond just a Mandarin audience. And, and you know, that's what I think. It, it's something that can really work here. And I, I love the, the playfulness of the song. Yeah. Okay, great. So next, uh, let's listen to something from Ms. Ko, and this, this particular piece is called Slide. just listening to a clip by Miss Ko called Slide. Um, so Eric, what, what do you have to say about her sound? Well, I mean, really, Miss Ko, particularly what I like about her, and, and I'm biased, is that you can really see the New York influence that she brought in. And to me, Slide is it's perfect. It has, a, it's obviously a great rap song, but with poppy sound, it's danceable, it's fun, it's, it's all the positiveness of New York rap in there, with, of course, the whole Taiwanese influence, and I love that cross-culturalism that she does, but I especially personally, who's a fan of mostly rap in New York and Northeast, uh-huh. really appreciate how she has incorporated what she's absorbed when, during her time in New York. Right, yeah, no, and I can definitely see why um, people have called her the Missy Elliott of Taiwan. 
she's quite diverse and just like Missy Elliott, she's not just a straight out rapper. There's R and B, there's soul, there's a lot of influences that she really uh, puts into a fabric that's really nice, you know, and really well balanced and, and just enjoyable. Right. Yeah. Fundamentally, that's the important thing of music. Is it enjoyable? <clears throat> Does it get you dancing? Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. So we don't have a clip for DJ Noodles, and I, I understand like it's a little bit hard to pick a clip for the listeners today. And could you talk a little bit about that? Why that is? Well, I mean, I, I always recommend for for DJs that people, I mean, usually DJs present their music in, in sets, um, and, and I always recommend people to listen to a just like you want to listen to a complete song as much. Um, when you're listening to EDM, especially, it tends to have a longer than a three and a half minute song length. Um, and so I would recommend that they go to SoundCloud uh, to listen. She has quite a few sets there that really were, the other reason is because we couldn't really pick anything that would be characteristic of DJ Noodles because yeah. she is so uh, broad. I mean, she ranges from Top forty R and B so mixtape to you know flirting with trap, wow. you know, which is a <clears throat> urging of electronic and hip hop. Uh -huh. So it'd be very difficult to find anything that would be characteristic. Sure, uh, and this is true. Of good DJs actually, yeah, yeah, you know, it's, yeah. it yeah, all sounds the same. Yeah. So I would recommend that they actually um, go to her SoundCloud. Okay, uh, so if someone were to go to SoundCloud, what should they type in? A DJ Noodles. Just DJ Noodles. Okay, yeah. great. The three artists being represented in the Taiwan CMJ Music Showcase all happen to be female artists, um, which to me seems unusual. I don't know what the history has been. Um, how often does that happen, or is that unusual? If I take the three CMJ, the three last years for CMJ and Midem, there's not been a circumstance where it's been an all-female lineup. Uh -huh. So, uh, certainly um, there have been, I think, females represented in nearly all the lineups. Um, sometimes like 50-50, like at okay. Midem, it was Jolene Tsai, uh, Salamander, which is uh, DJ Colette, so she's female. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, William Way and, mm -hmm. of course, uh, the other DJ and Salomon. To me, what's unusual even more so, because, I mean, to me, this kind of reflects the role that women do play in Taiwanese music, which uh -huh. is a relatively big role. Um, so I'm not as surprised that this would happen. What I'm a little more surprised is that, especially in particular for CMJ, and it seems to fit the format, uh -huh. uh, typically, it's all been bands. You know, in 2011, it was Bear Babes, Echo, and 1976. Right. <clears throat> uh, last year, it was The Mouth, 831, and Chemical Monkeys. Uh -huh. uh, this is the first time, really, I think, at CMJ that there's been individual artists. I mean, they're coming with backing bands, of course. True. Individual artists mm -hmm. who are coming and not groups. And that, right. to me, is somewhat more unusual. Um, yeah. And I think it's going to be interesting uh, to see how that how that works out, et cetera. Yeah, uh, true. But the female artists, no, I I would have thought at some point that it would have happened. Uh, oh, okay. Well, actually, sounds like the reverse is not true. Like there there hasn't been an all male lineup either. No, no, yeah. there has not been an all male lineup. That wait, 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 wait. 
Yes, there has. Oh, okay. Uh, Midem, there was Mayday, Matska, and Yenje. Okay. Which would be all male. Okay. So now we're equal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, so what would you say is Taiwan's place in the music scene in Asia overall, or maybe more specifically in, the ma in Mandarin-speaking Asia? Uh, so in Asia, Mandopop, I'll call it, yeah. is somewhat the third stepchild. Oh. <laughs> the J-pop and K-pop. Oh, right. Uh, certainly, J uh, so if you talk on the Asian scale, it certainly has influence. Um, but particularly in the Mandarin-speaking world, yeah. uh, mainland China, um, Southeast Asia, Indonesia, Malaysia, Singapore, uh, some extent the Philippines. Mm -hmm. um, let's take mainland China because it's kind of the biggest market. Mm -hmm. uh, um, Taiwan pop, Taiwanese music, the pop music, totally dominates um, that scene. Uh, Taiwanese artists, I believe, account for, depending on the year, between 60 to 70 percent of ticket sales wow. in the mainland. Wow. And that's not surprising because if you were to name the top pop stars uh -huh. of mainland China, you would come out with the names Amei, Zhou right. Linzai, right. uh, Wang Lihong, uh, mm -hmm. and excuse my mispronunciation. <laughs> I know what you mean. Uh, Cho, and, and, and so many others. Um, so I, from that perspective, uh, its place is huge. Um, what it faces, and I think concerns in Taiwan, is one, of course, that as China mainland develops, that it's going to start developing eventually its yes. own star, or yeah. it may start grabbing right. market share from uh, Taiwan. Right. And secondly, of course, the, the surge, especially in, in Asia, uh, of K-pop. Um, which is influencing the Mandarin world yeah. very strongly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the things that's particularly notable is that now, now there are uh, pop singers and artists uh, and groups that are being taken from China, brought to uh, Korea. I think it's a two-year training. Oh, wow. So that they can bring them back into China and really start taking over wow. uh, the pop scene. So... If one looks at K-pop, you see it's very strategic how they how it's done. It's forward-looking, so they're willing to train for two years. They, they don't mind waiting two years because after that, they feel they'll be a very strong position. So these are kind of some of the that's interesting pressures or threats. Yeah, that you know, uh, Taiwanese pop, and I'm just talking about pop at the moment. Yeah, to uh, uh, evolve to meet those challenges. Uh, I can tell you, um, we had an intern in Malaysia. She's uh -huh. a Chinese Malay. Right. And I was, you know, talking with her quite often about, well, what do Chinese Malay like? You know, right. what's the prospective market there? Because um, I've had one of my acts that play in uh, Kuala Lumpur this year. Oh, okay. Wow, exciting. A Taiwanese act, uh, Red. Yeah, okay. And uh, she was saying, you know, Five, six, seven years ago, it was all Taiwanese acts. That's all anybody listened to, uh, the Chinese Malays. Um, but now they're all listening to K-pop. So it, it shows uh, how it has an impact. And I, certainly it's very popular if you look in the mainland also. And in Taiwan. 
Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, is the K-pop explosion mostly because of Psy, or was it before that? No, uh, in, 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 Psy is an aberration. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, the proof is the second video went really nowhere. Yeah. Whatever it did, just from yeah. the leftover of the original video. And right. it's not really, <laughs> it's not in the K-pop style anyways. Okay. It, it, it's certainly not. Yeah, you're talking to a layman here, <laughs> or a laywoman. Well, I don't, I'm not, not like a music expert at all. <laughs> boy with the tightly choreographed, yeah. mixture, which characterizes K-pop. It was yeah. something quite, right. in some ways, very different. Yeah. Um, in, a, uh, in Asia, uh, K-pop precedes uh, Psy by a lot. Right. Know, bands like Wonder Girls and et cetera. Okay. And um, uh, their videos blanket uh, East Asia and wow. Southeast Asia. Um, and they're the dominant force at the moment. Uh, just like uh, there was a period with J-pop. But I, I suspect even much more strong than J-pop ever was. Yeah. Uh, well, that's fascinating. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, it's incredible to me, you know, like Taiwan, this little island of like 23 million people has, um, such influence, um, in pop music and in China. Um, could you compare a little bit the Taiwan music scene versus China? You did touch on that a little bit. Well, I spoke about the pop scene, so <clears throat> basically okay. there's no, com there's very little comparison to be made in that, uh, uh, Taiwan control almost dominates, let's yeah. say, the Chinese right. mainland pop scene. The indie is where you really see some interesting differences. Okay. Um, as I alluded to before, Taiwan Taiwanese indie bands, and I say that in a broad sense, uh, very often typically have this kind of poppy element in their sound. Right. I always call a, a lot of like uh, ding ding and shi shi. <laughs> so, uh, these bands that they, they, they they're happy yeah it's a happy yeah. sound yeah. Uh, yeah. etc yeah. and that very much influences all of Taiwan's music I think the other thing that's notable about Taiwan is as you know we live in New York and we live in America and this is called the melting pot right. and this has become immigrant this is because immigrants from all over the world come here and they land in the pot and it gets mixed up and they get mixed up and they redefine a little what America is, and America evolves with this immigration flows. Uh, Taiwan, I've called the cultural melting pot of East Asia. It geographically is situated between everything. Yeah. And Taiwan has this capacity of really absorbing outside influences. Uh, oh, and Taiwan is very has a history proud of, of this. Uh, American culture, mm -hmm. Japanese mm -hmm. culture, mm -hmm. uh, even things coming from different parts of Southeast Asia and the mainland more recently Korean culture, mm -hmm. putting it in the pot, and of course having the underlying Taiwanese culture, Yeah, putting that stuff in the pot, mixing it up, and redefining it to a new thing called Taiwan. And I think that's kind of what makes Taiwan special. Mainland China has totally, totally different forces affecting the development of its indie music scene, most of them historic, tied to the Cultural Revolution, and so therefore the almost raising of culture uh, in China, the need to start over, and in addition, the opening of China to the outside world. So China's very, Chinese indie music is much more an American story. Uh, like I say, American pop, American rock, all of it came from almost from the germ of James Dean. 
Yeah. And it is rebellion, and it is mm. trying to do things different, trying mm -hmm. to, to, to vindicate, you know, <clears> that the <throat> world should be better, and I'm going to rebel and make it that way. Hmm. Uh, in China, it, it's almost the same way, in part because China's going through such social, economic changes in such a small period of time on such a large scale. Right. People have to, you know, express themselves. And, and, and so what you find is a lot of things like metal, rock, punk. Uh, the Beijing scene is characterized by all the, I mean, on any night you can find like 10 bands and they're all playing some variety of experimental, hmm. noisy bands. Wow. So it looks, uh, I fell in love with the Beijing. I mean, the whole Music This China project came from yeah. my first trip to Beijing. Oh. And the indie scene there was like New York yeah. in the late 70s, early 80s. Wow. Um, the other difference between Taiwan, so I mean, the, the music is totally different on the Yeah, okay. Um, the other big difference is, I think, in the fans. Um, okay. Taiwanese fans are extremely well behaved. <laughs> Must say, right. must say, gone to a lot of shows, been every almost every yeah. live house, yeah. very well behaved. Mainland fans are crazy, <laughs> and, and, and in the best way. I'm not saying it like they yeah. go violent. No, no, they, no. They it, define the fanatic of the. F you know. They are. They are like, and again, the comparison to fans in yeah. the 70s and 80s. Wow. Who were you know the deadheads? You know the, the go to Midi Festival, which is right. the biggest, longest running rock festival right. in China. And you, know, you see people with spiked hair, you see everything, you see them being able to be them and that is to express themselves. Right. See, there's a place to express myself with 30 to 40,000 other people my, around my age. Actually, you see little kids and you see wow. parents and et cetera. Wow. Um, so that's those, that's they're quite very. an experience. It's more than just the music. What, excuse me? I said that's quite an experience I'm just imagining. So it's like more than just the music, you know, as people are really getting into it with their, their dress and, you oh, know. Yes. Uh, one of the funnest style. things to do is to take pictures at a Chinese, especially at Midi Festival. Right. It's, it's what I did it uh, in April, the Beijing Midi Festival. Uh -huh. And it was just such a feeling of being, again, like I'm transported back to the 80s and seeing, you know, What's particular is you have people creating music not because they think it's going to make money. Right. They actually don't think it's going to make money. <laughs> Mainlanders don't tend to be the people that are disillusioned. They don't think it's going to be. They're doing it because they have to. And that was very much why punk came around, metal, uh -huh. all these new genres that came around in the 80s, uh, hip-hop. Right. It wasn't people looking to make money out of it. They had yeah. to express themselves. Yeah. That's I think, you know, especially within... The social political situation sure. of the mainland. Yeah, uh, fascinating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, they need. It's an outlet. Exactly. Yeah. It's an outlet. It's the only place where all the young kids can get together uh -huh. and go and be crazy positively uh, in a group of thirty thousand. Yeah. I don't know any other type of event they can do yeah. that except a soccer game. Yeah, yeah. Well, there are worse things they could be doing. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, thank you for that. That's really interesting. Um, and so I'm curious to know about you and like we haven't talked so much about how you got involved with the whole town music scene because I understand like you you go you're now well it's hard for me to say where you're based but you go between like Taiwan and well Asia and New York right? Uh, I would say my core well we're based in New York. Okay. Uh, so I started Music Dish in 1997 actually. So okay. right here in New York City. 
Um, excuse me for the sirens, but as you can tell, I live in New York. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, so you always have sirens going off. Yeah. Um, so I answered the original question, based in New York, but our core is in the, uh, if you want markets, the place that we are in just uh, <clears throat> Beijing and Taipei. Right, okay. Um, so Music Dish, I started in 97, which was somewhat the beginning of the internet and music. Uh, not that there weren't some music sites on the internet before that, but right. it's right before the time that CD Baby and MP3.com would launch, which would define digital music for the whole dot-com period and actually kind of chart the course for it even up to now. Uh, so, and we started as a media company. Uh, basically, we, run, uh, we ran a series of online portals, uh, most of them dedicated to information and discussion and debate within the music industry about uh, the impact that digitization would have on the industry. Oh, and okay. As everybody knows, that impact has been probably hardest felt in the music industry. Yeah. First, it was the first felt there and mm -hmm. probably the hardest still up to now because movies are not, mm -hmm. uh, box offices are not going down, etc. Um, in 2008, I started, I had an epiphany uh, that Music Dish had to be in China. And this was after my first trip to Beijing where I really got a taste for the underground Beijing cultural scene which I was not expecting. Mm -hmm. um, just to put some context, I've always been a Sino-Japanophile as, <laughs> as early as I can remember, so it, it just seemed faded yeah. from when I was sure. a kid. it was a matter of time. <clears throat> it was a matter of just finally getting there. Uh, so in January 2010, I launched Music Dish China, uh, and Taiwan was not really on my radar screen. Uh, our focus was going to be the mainland, where we saw this indie music revolution. But um, we always, we've been a media sponsor of MIDEM, which I mentioned is the biggest yes. music conference. Right. And in looking at China, Taiwan came in my view screen. And I, I, I actually remember my first Taiwanese artist I became a fan of, mm -hmm. Avis Fan or Feng Xiaoxuan, mm -hmm. who is a, I heard her music um, and just said, what is this? <laughs> and so from there I started actually working on the, the first time was, was helping as a media partner uh, with Taiwan at Meet Them, reaching out uh -huh. to media contacts but also music industry contacts and providing media coverage. Uh, and that grew over time. Then we did CMJ. Then we did Meet Them the next year, CMJ, et cetera. Uh, so that's how my involved. And then I was invited to uh, MIC Taiwan, which is a music conference. It's actually a music industry conference, okay. Taiwan. That happens in November every year. Okay. Uh, been twice, and I'll be going back uh, this November. Uh -huh. And so I got to know uh, the Taiwan music community. Uh, firsthand, up close. Yeah. And, um, more recently, so I, I started really 
getting involved in the Taiwanese uh, music industry. Right. More recently, um, so last November, I went to DMIC Taiwan, uh -huh. and I met uh, this band called Red right. and DJ Code. Right. And listened to their music and realized that I had just found what I had been looking for for about four years. Wow, really? And so I signed them. Uh, I <coughs> I I'd been a I managed a band that got signed to Kombucha Records, one of the biggest world music labels mm -hmm. uh, in the world, also. And so I'd done management, and so I decided I wanted to manage these two acts mm -hmm. and develop them for the uh, Western market. I just give context: DJ Code is one of the top DJs right. in Taiwan. Uh -huh. uh, he works with. He's worked with and continues to work with several major brands and creating music for them, including Asus, Lexus, uh -huh. Uh -huh. Volvo, wow. uh, Aston Martin. Wow. Uh, he's now uh, working on a project in fashion. Uh, and Red is a group that he formed with uh, Xiao Shu, mm -hmm. who is a phenomenal singer. Mm -hmm. uh, as we would say in music, she's got chops. <laughs> yeah. uh, she sings in, in Mandarin right. uh, to electronic music as the wow. background EDM uh -huh. and uh, Pierre Rougelot on keyboards right. Right. and uh, so I signed them for management right. uh, and so I've been managing them since then wow. and now more recently we signed uh, two other bands one is Bear Babes uh -huh. uh, which is a band that just got nominated for a Golden Indie Award uh, and that actually played here at CMJ in 2010. Uh, I stayed in touch with them, loved their music, and finally had an opportunity to work with them. And uh, a local band, uh, Tsunami. Yes, I know them very well. Uh, yes, they're quite a fixture in, in the New York scene and Taiwanese scene and et cetera. And I think the, I first heard them, I can't remember, it was um, the uh, festival in Union Square. Oh yes, the Passport to Taiwan Festival? Passport to Taiwan Festival. Yes. Never been to it, just passed by it. Yeah. I'm hearing this music, I'm like, what? What is that? <laughs> wait, wait, what is that? That's not it. And, and since then, I've seen the band quite a few times. Yeah. Got to know Jack and the rest of the band yeah. members and, and just think that they're phenomenal. Um, crossover, cultural mix. Right. Perfect. Yeah, and for listeners who don't know, because some of our listeners in Taiwan, they may not know, um, the feature of uh, Tsunami is the Urhu that um, Jack plays, and it's just amazing what he does with that, the way he interprets it. Yes, I, I call him the Urhu, shre Urhu Shredder. <laughs> uh, you know, you've heard of guitar shredders, well, here it is, and I, I you know, it, it's incredible uh, to see uh, Incredible sound. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Maybe so we should get a clip of them. <laughs> yes, we should. Yeah. So at this point, uh, I tell people I kind of feel married to Taiwan because uh, I have long-term commitment and relationship to these acts and to the Taiwanese music scene and industry. So that's a long story of telling you how I got involved in Taiwanese yeah, music. Yeah, it so wasn't planned, but yeah. it's fortuitous how it <laughs> Right. That's like sounds like music dishes um, kind of evolve with um, what it does, and so you're so. Is it? Uh, um, my understanding is like so. The artists that you have in the Taiwan CMG Music Showcase, you're also representing them. Then. No, we're yeah. just working on the Taiwan Music Showcase. 
Okay, yeah. so you don't you don't represent like Joanna, Miss Cohen, DJ Noodles. Oh no, we don't. Oh, no. interesting. Uh, we certainly would be interested in working on projects with them and etc. Uh, okay. But uh, in this case, GCA is representing them here, oh, uh, and they all have management certainly in Taiwan. Oh, okay, I see. Interesting. Um, yeah, and I mean, you're, as you alluded to before, the Taiwan Ministry of Culture um, has given some funding to this, and I mean, it just seems like Taiwan has been so good at marketing their culture lately. I've noticed that a lot, especially this year. You know, they've had a lot of um, activities sponsored by the Taiwan Tourism Bureau, and that there's like, um, you know, it's like the year of tourism in Taiwan. They just had something called Celebrate Taiwan, and Grand Central Terminal um, last uh, few weekends ago and so um, what's your thought on this like you know about this uh, marketing of the culture well I think uh, you know it has to be put in perspective Taiwan is a little perhaps late to the game uh, uh. the the new I always say the new uh, arrow in the quiver of political social conflict and, and competition is soft power. Mm -hmm. uh, everybody's realized in America's <clears throat> advantage was always at soft power and uh, as I was telling another interview um, what it does is that it puts like a colored colored uh, sunglasses on people that they <laughs> see people from a perspective of having been raised on Hollywood yeah. and American pop music and right. Coca-Cola and McDonald's yeah, and it does, and so every country now would like to kind of put a shade on those sunglasses, reflecting their own experience. Sure. Um, and this is something that a lot of countries certainly, uh, if you look at Canada, uh, it has been supporting its music industry, and the results are that uh, Canadian artists disproportionately uh, dominate the charts. Uh, right. We just most people just don't know they're Canadian. Like most people don't know Justin Bieber's Canadian. Right. So they think he's American, but right. actually, uh, so many of these artists are Canadian. Um, the other thing with Taiwan is that uh, it's really been a recent major commitment that Taiwan has made to supporting culture and to expand and to uh, exp uh, telling that story of Taiwanese culture worldwide. Uh, in France, I was with the ambassador of Taiwan there, uh, Mr. Liu, yeah. who, who said at the panel that we were I was moderating that Taiwan is actually dedicating 0.8 percent of GDP to culture. Mm -hmm. This is oh, the highest yeah. percentage of GDP dedicated by any country in the world at the moment. That's interesting. That's a really interesting statistic. Uh, the other aspect you have to remember is there's been a, a, a government, there's, in the government there's been some of a reorganization to focus, you know, with this funding that requires the focus. Mm -hmm. Taiwan did not have a formal ministry of culture. Mm -hmm. Like many countries do, of course, America doesn't have one either. But hmm. we right? Yeah. <laughs> we have Hollywood. We don't need it, right? We have George Clooney as the ambassador. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, so the Ministry of Culture is actually, I believe, about a year and a half old. Yeah. So oh, these are all that. very encouraging uh -huh. things that are happening in Taiwan, yeah. and but right. Taiwan is perhaps uh, Japan has been doing this longer, uh, not very successfully I would say. Oh, its no, culture really. gets exported more through private 
uh, efforts oh, sure. and public efforts. Sure. Manga right. uh, is at the root, and uh -huh. of course, anime is at the root of the popularity. Oh, yeah, Japanese culture, mm -hmm. well, that aspect, pop mm -hmm. culture in right. the U.S. And so, to me, that's kind of a tale that it's great to have the government yeah. supporting the arts. Yeah. But what's most important, and I think they're doing, is working with the right. It's the private sector. Yeah, I, and I'm not saying this as I'm not a Republican. I'm not saying the private <laughs> answer, but from my experience, right. you know, uh, as I said, J-pop, that whole thing came very much on the back of anime. Yeah, the world didn't yeah. you know with government putting up sites and et cetera that didn't really work. It came from very so it's it's to the Taiwanese community, and I the interesting thing is you're seeing this. Um, uh, places like uh, or companies like Street Voice and IndieVox are really mm -hmm. now gearing. You know, they've been developing the Taiwan market. Right. They're now looking outside yeah. and looking at, for example, mainland China, yeah. and other places. Yeah. You look at uh, Legacy that's looking to open outside of Taiwan. Uh -huh. Legacy, you know, one of the venerable venues in in Taiwan. Right. So you're seeing in Taiwan also this starting to look out, saying, you know, there's a world out there, and we're competitive. We can, you know, we can. Duke it out with the best of them. Sorry to give duking out analogies. <laughs> no, no, I am American. Sorry, can relate to um, you know, we have a rich culture. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's that private-public partnership. Yeah, that's absolutely. Developing, and absolutely. that uh, if anything, you know, Taiwan is having some maybe teething pains. Com from my perspective, mm -hmm. you know, I work, mm -hmm. I've worked a lot in Europe, for example, where uh, the promotion of I'll take France. The promotion right, of culture right. and music probably goes right. back hundreds of years oh in one form or another. <laughs> yeah, now I know why you use the te teething analogy. That's a great analogy. Um, okay, so of course, like um, one of for I don't know that much about the music scene. It's actually a, it's been an interesting conversation. I've learned a lot just like listening to. You. Um, but I do know that one of the you know popular most popular music events in Taiwan that people know of is something called the Spring Scream, which happens every year in southern Taiwan in um, Kunting, near Kunting. Um, yeah. And so, do you have any involvement with that at all? I'll get in trouble here, but <laughs> I'll say not only do I have no involvement, oh. but we do not wish to have any involvement oh, with Spring okay. Scream. I see. <laughs> Do you I, care to comment any more about that? <laughs> sure. Um, it's a matter of principle. Oh, I see. Uh, spring Scream, you know, of course Spring Scream attracts big headline bands. Yeah. And of course those acts get paid. Right. But if you're not one of those acts, mm -hmm. you get zilch. Oh. Um, I know several bands from the mainland that have been invited to Spring Screen and given nothing. Oh dear. Um, I don't know how Spring Screen would feel about people deciding all of a sudden to barge into the festival without a ticket. Right. smacks of a thing of unfairness yeah. and right. if this type of thing is allowed to tolerate in Taiwan, hmm. it's not, I mean it hampers the development and the hopes of emerging artists that yeah. are the future right. of Taiwan's music, culture, and industry. Right. So there's a matter of principle. I've actually spoken to several artists in Taiwan. Right. Uh, I'm a rebel rouser. Uh, <laughs> so, um, you know, in the 
in the 90s we were talking about the dot-com revolution yeah. down with the labels yeah. um, a little older now but you know there has to be a set of there has to be a principle that artists have to be treated fairly they don't have to be paid Absolutely. amounts of money but they have to be treated fairly right. especially for one of the biggest festivals in uh, Taiwan right okay um, and so you know, we did talk a little bit about how you got involved in the music industry and so forth. I'm just wondering a little bit about your personal background. Are you a mus musician? Like, how did you just get into this area in general? I'm not a well. I played a music instrument. Uh huh. I think you have to do more than that to be called a musician. <laughs> uh, I have been always surrounded and in around music people, artists. Uh, I was for a brief period a club promoter in New York, uh, especially underground and independent music. And uh, actually when I started Music Dish, uh, we, we started as a media company but dedicated to human expression. So we had all type of things, fire breathing on, on the web, and etc. This is when people had a dial-up connection, so you can right. imagine. Yeah. Uh, and some people who are listening probably are wondering, what's a dial-up connection? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and we were seeing very quickly that, you know, it's one thing to build a site. It's totally another to maintain, manage, with cutting edge uh, and, and, and limited resources. And mm -hmm. who's going to pay for this? <laughs> so uh, it's where there that I had my first epiphany, second one being going to Asia. Right. Uh, that music would be the in the music industry specifically, would be the watershed of the internet. In other words, music would define much of the debate, discussion, and controversy fights that would characterize the early stage of the internet. Hmm. And prophetically, it did for the, for the first 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, you know, now, of course, things like WikiLeaks and the NSA have made those arguments seem petty. Yeah. Um, but for 10 years, uh, a lot of rights, what is the right of the consumer, what is the right of internet users, how do artists get paid, etc. Because they, the, the discussion would say a lot for movies and books and other industries. Right. Um, and so, so you find that discussion has emerged first in the music industry and then it has repercussions for these others? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it was a good bet. Uh, actually, one of our first champagne celebrations was when we found out that the first MP3, di MP3 player, Diamond Rio, was mm -hmm. by the RIAA. Uh, it was the first MP3 lawsuit. Oh. Uh, to realize it got dismissed within half an hour. And we, we bought a bottle of champagne. We said, we won on our bet. This is going to be a good. <laughs> <laughs> wow, interesting. What was the outcome of that? Briefly, I'm not familiar with that. Of the MP3, uh, yeah. uh, basically, uh, you know, the music industry was saying you can't have something that records or plays, or you, know, you can't have this. This is illegal. We're not getting paid. And basically, the defending judge came up and told the judge, "Judge, could you show me a record button on our MP3 player?" Judge looks. I don't see one. Yeah. Is there one guy. Lawyer says, "Nope, there isn't." Judge puts it down. Court dismissed. <laughs> <laughs> that's legendary. Because it could record. What was what yeah, was the issue? Right, that's yeah. legendary. So we also have a clip from Tsunami. So what are we going to hear from Tsunami? So you're actually going to be hearing. So it's been a while since they came out with a new album. Right. And uh, in speaking with them, they, they say 
you know, we're really furiously working on a new album mm -hmm. because the old albums don't really reflect the entire music of what and sound of what we're doing now. Yeah. So I thought it only appropriate that we um, that I share a song from their upcoming album, a song called "The Black Tortoise." The Black Tortoise. Yes. Uh -huh. And I know there's so many tsunami fans out there in New York, and yes. uh, let them take their own view of it. But it, it certainly it shows an evolution of the band. Uh, musically and gives a, a window into what the upcoming album which will be quite different um, what that's going to be and it's slated to be released next year uh, first half of next year okay great so let's give that a listen
Okay, so we were just listening to um, The Black Tortoise by Tsunami from their upcoming album. Eric, I wanted to thank you so much for your time and for, you know, talking about the Taiwan CMJ Music Showcase, how you personally got involved in the Taiwan scene, about the three artists that are going to be in the showcase, and is there anything else you'd like to let listeners know about the Taiwan CMJ Music Showcase? Well, one thing I did not mention is all the organizations that we've brought together to really amplify this Taiwan CMJ, Taiwan music at CMJ. Uh, so we actually have several supporting organizations that I'd like to mention uh, because they help make this happen and help amplify it. Right. I already mentioned Hip Hop USA. Right. Um, who we're actually is helping us in organizing the uh, networking event and is making sure that hip hop right. is represented there. Uh, again, in hip hop, we have Hype Magazine as a media sponsor, so they're actually helping to promote uh, the Taiwan music at, to the hip hop community. We feel this is important again to get collaboration. We also have Radiotomy, and that's uh, really a big thing because. Um, Radionomy will be has developed a Taiwan music internet radio channel for wow, us. Great. With music not only from the artists that are performing, but Sony in Taiwan was generous enough to give us a, a, a whole catalog of music from their artists uh, in Taiwan. Uh -huh. So really, the idea is to introduce uh, non-Taiwanese to the large breadth of Taiwan music. Oh, that's exciting. Uh, in <clears throat> addition, the concert is going to be streamed audio only, of course. Streamed live on the Radion on the Taiwan Music uh, radio channel on Radionomy that people can also tune in to through TuneIn, uh, which is a smartphone app. Oh. Uh, um, so if they're not able to make the concert, they can listen to it live. Oh, that's exciting. Okay, so what they can they just uh, so if you go to like the app store, you can just look for Radionomy and download their app. I would uh, recommend uh, downloading uh, TuneIn. TuneIn. TuneIn and to download that app. Uh huh. And does Radionomy have a website? Is it Radionomy.com or something? Or yes, it is. Okay. Well, that's good they to can know. also find. They can also do it through the Radionomy uh, uh, app as well. Right. Um, okay. So, so great. One. So there's a few options for people who, you know, maybe aren't in New York who can't be in New York for the 18th. You're talking specifically of that's going to be streamed, right? Yes. So great. That's great. That's good to know. Uh, two other uh, partners uh, yes. I need to mention. One is Asia and in New York. Um, anybody who lives in New York and uh, is interested in Asian culture is bound to have gone to an Asian in New York event uh, here in New York. Uh, they very much uh, showcase and spotlight. I mean, they, they've done so much in the uh, New York area. Oh, yeah, that's actually how I heard about the Taiwan CMJ Music Showcase. And we're very good friends with Asian New York. So, yeah, shout out to Asian New York. Thank you so much for everything that you're doing in the community. And we appreciate the support. Uh, they were actually uh, supported the uh, Taiwan Music at CMJ for the last three years. Yes. So this is not the first time. Yes, I'm we're aware. Always of that. happy to have them. Yeah. Uh, the other one I would like to acknowledge is Ibada, uh -huh. uh, which is uh, one of the things that we realized. As I said, Taiwanese music is so popular in China, so we also wanted to 
reach out to the Chinese community here in New York because right. there's one big Mandarin community. Right. And Ibada is probably the it is the biggest online portal for the Chinese community. Um, they have between seventy to a hundred thousand members in New wow. York City, um, and uh, they're going to be interviewing. We have lots of interviews planned for the artists. Uh, China America Radio is going to have an interview with all three artists. Right. Uh, they're going to go to Ibada. They're going to be going to Cinevision. How, how do you spell it? It's Ibada. It's a Y I B A D A. Um, Cinevision is interviewing them. Uh, I'm trying to remember what is the show that they're being interviewed for. Mm. Talk Asia, I think it is. Oh, I'm not okay. sure. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what the show. But uh, both um, they're shows that focus on the Asian American experience, uh, and so both uh, Miss Ko and Joanna Wong, uh, having lived in America, right. uh, are going to be on the show to talk about their experience. Um, oh. So. A lot, a lot yeah. of things are happening. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, when we have these artists come, we especially want to take advantage to connect them with as much media opportunities and opportunities to connect with the local New York music industry, so that we can build every year and make it bigger and bigger. And thanks to the fans out there, every year we've had to go to a bigger venue, and despite that, it still sells out in no time at all. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's so exciting, you know, the like that the Taiwan CMJ Music Showcase is going to be on the 18th at Webster Hall, which for anybody, you know, who may not know, this is such a legendary place and Everybody's amazing venue. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we'll just, I guess, next year have to do a much, much <laughs> Right. And so for people who want to know more about the Taiwan CMJ Music Showcase specifically, um, where should they go? Is you have a site or a Facebook yeah, page? Yeah, they can or? go to musicdish.com. Sorry? They can go to musicdish.com. Uh-huh. And there are articles about everything happening um, during Taiwan at, at CMJ. Okay. And do you guys have a Twitter or Facebook page? or? Uh, yes, we have a... Well, we actually have a, a Facebook group that is dedicated to Mandarin music. Um, Taiwanese and Chinese, and that's uh, facebook.com slash groups slash music dish China, one word. Okay, and you have a, do you have a Twitter handle? Uh, yes, uh, music dish underscore China, as well as music dish, they can uh, try either one. Uh, we tend to speak on those things on both accounts. Great. Well, thank you so much, Eric, for your time. I really appreciate you, um, you know, taking time out of your schedule to talk to us about the Taiwan CMJ Music Showcase so people know a little bit more about it and all the exciting things planned. There's so much more than just uh, the October 18th um, Music Showcase. There's you know, all these panels and networking events starting on the 15th. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I, I wish you well with that. I hope everything goes smoothly and um, I'm excited. I'm excited about it. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, and thanks for the opportunity to talk about this and sharing this with your audience. I think the more people that know about it, uh, the more successful these will become over the years. So this is Felicia Lin, and we've been talking to Eric DeFontenay about the Taiwan CMJ Music Showcase. So stay tuned for the next episode of Talking Taiwan. Thank you for listening.
Talking Taiwan is brought to you by Forumosa.com.